In April 2020, just as the global pandemic was kicking off, Lawrence and I started recording our weekly Friday Firesides. These are conversations broadcast live over the Crowdcast platform and joined by people all over the world who listen in and share their thoughts with us via the chat. We started these live recordings as an opportunity to keep in touch with our members, as well as process what it meant to run a business during a pandemic. Since then, we've broadcast nearly every single Friday and built up a library of over 100 episodes. We cover a range of different topics from money to meaning, pricing to purpose, vision to vulnerability, entrepreneurship to empathy, and product design to life design. This is our perspective of what it means to do business from the inside out, as well as the outside in. If you're a business hippie just like us, then you'll definitely find something of value here. We hope that these conversations inspire and motivate you to do work and build businesses that create meaningful change without burning out. Because like us, you're just wanting to make money, do good, and be happy. We have Miguel, Miguel Rock. How can I describe you? You are Head of Operations and Tech at Bezos Academy. Is that the best way to describe you? Well, I or think I'm a father, I'm a husband, you know, many things before that. Like, yeah, sure. Labels. That, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the current title. Speed yeah. control guru. Keep, we'll be yeah. hearing about the many facets of Miguel, I'm sure, over the next conversation. But the, for, for those of the people who've listened or tuning in and who haven't heard... Who, who don't know you actually it'd be good to just get a brief picture of where you are at now in terms of the work you're doing and maybe how you got into that because it isn't necessarily uh you know doesn't seem like something you necessarily know straight away oh, i'm gonna go and do this work with kids and schools and tech right yeah i'll give you the the, the sort of two minute career background how i got here and then we'll, we can dive into what Bezos Academy does and, and, and any other questions. So, so hi, everybody. My name is Miguel. I was born and raised in Lisbon in Portugal. And then I, I moved to the U.S. because my parents became diplomats for Portugal. So we, we traveled around the, the world. Every couple of years, we moved around. So I lived all over the place. Out of uh, school, I started working at PwC, which is a big accounting firm. And there, I, I focused on building products inside of a consulting firm, which is a terrible idea, but it was, it was awesome for me. I ended up spending a bunch of time in South America, as I speak Portuguese, Spanish, and French, and a little English. And that was sort of in the 90s, buying and selling banks. And then I spent a bunch of time looking at financial statements at Enron and WorldCom and HealthSouth, all these sort of financial sna snafus. And eventually, I started this thing called the Center for Advanced Research, which is a intentionally pompous name for a bunch of nerds looking at data and trying to sort out fraud from financial statements, which is super, super interesting intellectually, but you know, not, not the, not the best way to, 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 to get out there. There's a lot of time looking at a screen and, and looking mm -hmm. at numbers. From there, I took, I spent four years in a company called Oberon Medium, which is a gaming company based on New York. And Oberon was, uh, did a couple of things that it, it, it distributed video games, casual video games. And then we also made video games. Anyway, after that, I spent, I, I went to work for, for Amazon. And, and there I did sort of two things. And the first one was this project called Amazon Coins, which is Amazon's first foray into virtual currencies back in 2011. This is pre-Bitcoin like 
cryptocurrencies are the way of the future. So it's super interesting. That, uh, I got to meet Jeff, which is a little bit of a rarity. It was one of his passion projects. So I was heavily involved, which is both a blessing and a little bit of a curse. And did that for about, I guess, four or five years. And and sort of, you know, wrote the, the, the business plan, raised the money, built the product, hired the team, internationalized it, and then used all the learnings that we had there to sort of spawn other currencies. And then at one point there, we started to kind of trying to look at what else we could do for app and game developers at Amazon. And in a conversation at GDC, which is the Game Developers Con- Conference, back when people used to go to conferences, and somebody said, hey, you know, you know, what you guys do really well is get stuff to people's houses. So, like, why don't you get our merch to people's houses? And that spawned us building something called Merch by Amazon, which was essentially where we would take digital items, i.e. characters or drawings or whatever, and we turn them into merchandise on demand in real time. And so Merch by Amazon was sort of spawned from just a very inspiring kind of customer discussion we had. And then, you know, five years later, that's now the biggest t-shirt company in the world, which is super fun to, to, to build. And, and, and frankly, nothing I ever expected in terms of size, scale, reach, speed of growth. But then December of 19, I got this incredible opportunity to join Bezos Academy as one of its sort of first founders. And Jeff announced a fund in late 18 or early 19 that said, hey, I'm putting $2 billion in a kitty called a day one fund or day one academies fund. And uh, what I want you to do is to build high quality preschools for underserved communities. And underserved is both, you know, where there's an access gap, which turns out in the U.S. is basically almost everywhere and where people can't afford it. And so... In 2019, December 19, we started like putting the plans together and then we launched our first school in six months during a pandemic, which was, well, whatever. It was a little nutty. Uh, And then the following year, we launched four additional schools and sort of 10x the uh, number of children that we serve. And this year, we've announced another 16 schools and we'll be once again basically 10xing the number of kids we're growing. So along the way, you know, we're trying to figure out how to launch these schools at super high quality, while also making sure that they run really well. So when we met you, I think it was before, well, before you left for Facebook. Yeah, it was Academy. 2018. Yeah, that's right. And so I think then, you know, you were kind of thinking, okay, what's what's next if I was to take on a new role or look to something different? So was this an opportunity that came to you? Were you on the lookout for something more, well, yeah, I don't say so- meaningful, but something more, you know? A different direction. Yeah, it's it's a, l- a little bit of both, right? So it's uh, I think that there's sort of these stages of people's careers. At least for me, there were sort of stages, right? The stage one was was uh, the, the I am not important stage, and this stage is you know I wrote a lot of code. I worked for a big consulting firm. You know, mm-hmm. you know they call you an associate, and then the, and then a senior associate, but you're still not mm-hmm. a manager, right? Like there's they, they make it's a cog in the wheel. Like, yeah, yeah you're, you're definitely not important, right? And in retrospect, this is you know this is a stage where you you do a lot of learning, a lot of you make a lot of mistakes, and then you get to the second stage where they start calling you a manager and a director and a VP, and then you feel important, and you start to like figure out a little bit. And I'm, I'm a slow learner, so it takes me a while, right, to figure out what you're good at. And then that third stage is you want to just do important things. Right. And you, you kind of don't care what your title is or, you yeah. know, exactly what you do. You care more about the whys. 
And I remember, you know, in 2018, I mean, I might be off a year or so, but this business was going like gangbusters. Everything was working. I mean, literally everything was working. We signed partnerships with Disney and partnerships with Sony. And, you know, I forget when Baby Yoda came out, but like that was a huge hit. You know what I mean? Like it was a big deal. And, you know, we, we had just, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when um, Trump called Hillary a nasty woman. When was that? <laughs> I think that might've been 2016. I forget exactly what data mm-hmm. was, but we were online when that happened. So watching him call her, calling her a nasty woman, seeing the first nasty woman t-shirt go up in seven minutes and seeing the first sale go up in 22 minutes after, you know, that, that statement was made, like everything was working. And I'm sitting there and I'm going like, I don't want this. And I'm mm. thinking like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, is this one of these things where you're just never satisfied and you're, you know, one of these, you know, continuously sort of unhappy people that just wants more and more. And, and so I started really saying, okay, what are the things that, that make me like, make me tick? And at the time we were making, I don't know, I won't go into the numbers, but hundreds of thousands of t-shirts a, a day were being sold, right? Like this is like, visually, it's like a hundred miles of shirts back to back. Like that's the, you know, that's, that's the scale of what we were operating in. And the things that really got me going, I'll give you sort of, let me, maybe two examples. One was, so instead of having, you know, beer Fridays with a team of a couple hundred people where I would have spent 10 grand on beer and wings, we started making t-shirts for our Title I schools here in Seattle, which is Title I is like, um, that means free and reduced lunch, right? So it, if you rank them by the most Title I children, it, it's essentially the, the poorer schools. Mm-hmm. So we started making uh, t-shirts for kids. So we'd go in, we'd say, here are the sizes, we'll measure kids, or we'll ask the, ch- the teachers to measure kids. And then we would have our designer, who was a LeBron James designer for his Nike brand, you know, come up with an amazing mm. logo. So the Dunlop Elementary Dolphins went from having this like clip art dolphin mm-hmm. to having these like amazing mm. dolphins coming out of a shield, you know, like it was just, and, 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 and I got so much joy and, and, and excitement out of working with kids in that way and giving back. And then, you know, because Merch by Amazon both served big brands like the Disney's and the Marvel's and whatever, but, but mostly it served, you know, moms that love ballet and, mm. you know, dads that love pit bulls or whatever, like, you know, your, mm. your, your existing merch was, I would get letters from people saying, Hey, you know, because of your service, I, I paid off my, my mortgage and mm. I never thought I'd be financially independent. And, and so like, these things gave me so much more joy than saying, oh, we just made a billion dollars or I don't know, whatever. And by the way, Altitude was super helpful for this because it gave me a break to actually think about it, right? Like I remember when I got to, to Altitude, you all asked us like, well, we're, we're, we're near that Tillicum Lake, like write down mm. what it is that you want to get out of this. I think I said like, I need some headspace to just mm. like decompress a little bit. And at the time I wrote down, I have, I have it written down still. I'll read to you. The next chapter must have, one, spend more time with friends and family, build things, have a positive impact on the world, or at least leave it better than when I got there, play more guitar, ski more, be outside more, do more things I'm good at and less things I'm bad at, help more, volunteer more, change lives, say yes to all the things involved the above, say no to the things that don't involve the above. 
So like, wow, that's like a manifesto there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, actually, well, we, that's what you guys asked us to do. So like, when somebody yeah. asked me to do something, I was like, all right, well, and 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 that's been super important. So mm. if you're asking me to volunteer for something I care about, like this, I'll say yes every day of the week. And I've been really, really good about saying no to things, which has been awesome. Mm. There's a, a bit of this that's about self awareness, right? So I know that you know if I look at my five top strengths. There's something about being a futurist. So I like doing things in the future. There's something about being a learner. So it turns out that every four or five years, I've learned something and I want to go learn something else, right? So my career is in four and five-year chunks. Uh, and obviously, if there's more to learn, I'll stay longer and do more things. But if I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now just doing the same things over and over again, it's probably not that as interesting. That's like a, a learner's my, mindset. There's a whole lot of self-assurance in my ethos which is both really good when you're doing new things that are bold. And obviously people think that you lack humility when, when you, when you say, yeah, we're going to build the best schools in the world. They're like, you're software engineer by trade. What the hell are you doing building schools? Which turns out we hired a bunch of really good educators. And then um, uh, what are the other ones? A strategic and an achiever, right? So th those are the kind of the top five in my Gallup strength finder. And I think having that, that kind of knowledge of yourself, and matching what it is that you do with the things you're good at is super important, right? Because otherwise you just bang your head against the wall. And, and, you know, if you end up in a purely operational job where you're just doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to be miserable. So just being very clear about what makes you happy, it, it, you know, is, is, is something super important. And by the way, that took 20 plus years for me to figure that out. I'm wondering uh, that journey of self-awareness. You, you talk about the Gallup Strength Finder. Was there anything else that you've, you know, you came to altitude, but were, were there any ways that you're trying to find out more about what is it that makes me tick? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think we, we go to first grade and then we go to second grade and then third grade. And then we're like, oh, we definitely want to get to fourth grade. And then, you know, the, the world has conditioned us to want like the thing that comes after. And mm. a lot of times I think there's this point where you have enough maturity to say, I don't want this thing. I don't want to be the SVP of this other thing. I like building things. I don't want to be in meetings all day, right? So th that that tells you, you know, what can you say no to, or what can mm -hmm. you hire around you so you stay happy and people stay in there in the, in the lanes that they're the happiest in. So I think, to me, you know, the Strength Finder would just kind of crystallize it because it's like a thing that you I have it and I can share it with you all as well. It's like a document, and I've taken it enough times and I've done it with my teams so that like I actually know people's strengths a little bit better and it's quantifiable and i know all the i know what an achiever means which is like i like getting things done basically but there's a better definition than that so i think there's part of this where you know the world around us tells us we have to do the thing that's next and then coming to the conclusion that that's not true right like it's very personal right it's just that you know we, we're surrounded by systems that say First, you got to go to elementary and then middle school and then high school and then college and then master's degree. Well, like that, that may very well be like a journey of many, but that's not the journey of all. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that that's, that's the reflection I had was, hey, I'm really good at these one, a few, few things, right? Not a lot of things. And I want to do more of those and less of these other things that I suck at and I'm miserable while doing. Not that I can't do them, but it's just like, I hate it. There's something, well, Francis asked this question. She was curious about you asking, every strength is a weakness. Oh, so for, I'll give you examples, right? So if, if you're, you know, if you like to live in the future and constantly making plans, 
and you surround yourself with people that like are really good at execution, you'll drive them crazy, you know, because they're trying to accomplish what, what's on their plans for the next month, the next week, the next day. And all you want to talk about is like, you know, imagine a time when the future comes and the planets rotate a different way. And they're like, shut up, dude. Like, you just want to get this thing done. <laughs> Similarly, you know, you know, if you're talking about too much self-assurance, when you're launching something new and you're standing in front of your, your you know, people that are going to fund you and give you a billion dollars or some giant number, sum of money, that's good because you want to present that confidence. But for people that are not very confident, they just look at you as arrogant, right? Mm. And, and, and so like you, you just, you know, and self-awareness to me is to be, is to, is to know how to measure your strengths and when to pull back and, you know, to say, hey, you know what? I love talking about the future, but I'm only going to do it like twice a month. Because if I do it more <laughs> often, or I'm going to do it to myself more frequently and, and uh, with my team, maybe just like l- less frequent because I don't want to annoy them or, you know, whatever. Have we broached the the shift from sort of like the biggest t-shirt company in the world to teaching or getting kids to be educated in a different way or bringing education to underserved communities? Yeah. And what made that shift happen? Yeah. So, so a couple of things. Well, one, Jeff announced this, right? Like publicly announced this. And then the person that he, my current boss, he's the president of basic and this guy, Mike George. And he had that retired and, he, and, and it was just one of these things where I was passionate about the mission. I really, really liked him as a, as a human, right? And I like the stage, right? So the stage of most businesses goes through, again, I'm speaking in three stages always. You guys might think I'm like a management guru like you guys, but, but, but generally speaking, there's like this, you, you know, the, the, the impossible stage where like you're just sitting, you know, in a WeWork with a whiteboard, like in a couple of people and you're going, oh my God, how are we going to do this? And that feels impossible. And then you launch one or two schools and people are like, well, that's probably not going to work. It's kind of the improbable stage. And then there's the inevitable stage when you launch 20 schools and you're launching them faster and faster each year and your net promoter score is the, you know super high or you're at least tracking net promoter score as a preschool, right? Like, and, and, and so, you know, I, I think that the mission, obviously, it drew me. And then my, my team was in a really good space, right? Like, and it's a great time to leave when things are going really, really well. You, you know, I don't think I would have been able to leave my this merch team if things weren't going really really well i would have lost a lot of sleep but it, it, it was the right time and you know look for for every time you take a, a zig when everybody expects you to zag and you do it for the right reasons it, it's scary right like i'm not gonna lie to you it's like a pay cut and it's a change and you know we didn't really have our benefits figured out like <laughs> you know it was a, a true true startup at the same time you know these are the things that will end up in your gravestone, right? Like this person did this thing. And this is the example you set forth. And, you know, I've got three children at home that like, I don't know, hopefully when they make their decisions about what they want to do for a living, they say, well, what did dad do? And like, mm-hmm. what's, what's acceptable there? So I'm definitely carrying some of that as I made those decisions. And, you know, I definitely carried some of what I got from you all at Altitude, where it was, it was jarring. And I'm forgetting people's names because it's been a little while now. 
but you know, one of the guys that had this family business that did the uh, like real estate stuff in Florida. Oh, David, yeah, yeah, David, right, right. And, and his priorities were all about like making sure his family was you know secure and like employed. And I was like, wait, that's a weird business strategy. But I was like, but maybe it is, and maybe that's like a really smart business strategy. And it was nothing about the product. He didn't care about expansion. He just cared about having enough work to staff his family. And it sort it jarred me a little bit, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know people would have different priorities besides like enriching themselves and basis points and i don't know all the other stuff that you measure typically mm. measure your business by so it feels like legacy was a big motivation for you at that point is it yeah it's like a it's like a, a, a regret minimization framework right like <laughs> if I, you know if i'm gonna regret this if i don't do this right and also i think you know there's this slope of learning that occurs right when you do something new and then it, it peters out a little bit. And, and so I think if you're constantly changing, then you, 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 you don't accomplish anything. But every couple of years, like, you know, shaking things up a little bit and putting yourself on, a, on the different part of the slope, the learning curve slope, it's humbling and, and, it's, and it's super fun. It's like a new mountain to climb, right? And every, every mountain has a different set of views along the way and poses different challenges. And that's kind of like the the thing that 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 drives me right so so hearing though there's this need for learning or a constant need for learning there's a lot of mountain metaphor here there's feels like a need yeah. for adventure need for new things so i'm curious about the learning bit because it sounds like you know particularly working in software there's always problems to solve what is it about mm-hmm. the learning that that seems to be so important to you i like it and it's, 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 it's super fun. And, um, I think I'm, I'm naturally pretty curious person. And, uh, it's been really interesting to, to build this organization based academy that has like a mix of what you would consider Amazonian types and education types, right? There's other types there, I'm sure. But like these two groups of people kind of are, are interacting with each other. And because this is something that's funded by Jeff, we use a lot of the same mechanisms and procedures to, write our annual plans and whatnot. And that's been amazing to kind of teach and guide this organization through that process. I mean, you all know this, right? When you teach something, you actually learn it a little bit better, mm-hmm. right? Than you ever did. And so I've, I've, I've actually learned a ton by teaching a little bit. And it's an education thing. So teaching and educators is kind of fun. And then just by listening, man, like just hearing kind of what it's like to be with 23, four and five-year-olds from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's like incredible. What this profession does is unimaginable to me how, how, how people can actually do this. It's super challenging. And also, you know, the, the highs are really high, right? When you have like a four-year-old like share with you what, you know, the state of their wiggly teeth, it's like <laughs> so much fun, right? And, um, you know, I, I play guitar. I'm the musical entertainment for one of our schools. Oh, it's Music with Miguel. And, and prior <laughs> to, so we have done this over Zoom and over Teams and sometimes in person. But then afterwards, they want to talk to me one-on-one. And, and so you, the topic is our range from check out my t-shirt to I have this for lunch to like how wiggly is my teeth. And, and those, those <laughs> moments are, are precious. So there's a... Going from 100,000 t-shirts a day to having a intimate conversation about wibbly teeth with one child. I, I heard some, a need for challenge because, you, you know, you talked about getting bored and this like the curve. This is, there's this steeper curve that you want to be on, whether it's the side of a mountain or whether it's a learning curve. There's something here. It feels like that's your happy place, it sounds like. 
when you're a couple of people or just one person in a room with an idea and you write it down on a piece of paper and you're like, I think this is a good idea. And every time you speak to somebody, somebody, you know, maybe it's like your friends are like, oh, yeah, yeah, Sandy, you're having a great idea. Go, go, go chase it. But you don't, you know, they're not pulling out their checkbook to invest in your business or whatever or invest in you. That feels impossible. You just walk around and people tell you no. Mm-hmm. And I've done this, I don't know, I think I've launched 10 different businesses and it, it's happened every single time. People are like, that's crazy. You should do something simpler. And you should go work for the, somebody else. And, and, and it's this constant, like, reasons why you can't do it and why it's impossible. It's been done before. There's too much, comp- blah, 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 like a million reasons people will, will give you. Mm-hmm. And so the, the transition from impossible to improbable is when you start having a few signals, right? And, and you know, look, there's definitely bad ideas and things that you stop doing because they're terrible and you just should go and do something else. But I, I just remember with, with this merch organization, we started it with a couple of people and we just started working with one or two developers one-on-one, right? Like we were like calling them off from, hey, send me that thing. Okay, I'll put it up. You know, it was like, it was totally chicken wire and duct tape. And, you know, they did a couple of promotions and like sales were real. Like people bought things and, and we actually made a plushie toy and this thing sold like crazy, right? And, you know, we, we call the people that make plushy toys for Disney and it's these two ladies in Anaheim and they're, they, they picked up the phone and like made this plushy toy for us. And it was amazing, right? We had this little, little red, oh, it's called my, my red dragon or something like that. And we, we got this thing done and, you know, the little red dragon sold like crazy and everybody loved it. And we learned that in Europe, plushy toys burn, you know, we have to have a burn rate so that they extinguish themselves and they burn from, from the, the, the bottom and the U S they burn from the top. There's like different burn rules. And I was like, Oh, this is great, but this doesn't scale. So even though it was successful, we shut it down because it was just too, too hard to, to, to do. And, and that transition is when you start having a few people say to you, Hey, like this could be like a really big business. Or, you know, somebody will come to you and, uh, and because, you know, part of it is having the Amazon name, people just assume that you can do things. And that's like both a, a little bit of a blessing because you get this implicit trust and a bit of a curse because, you know, everything that you launch needs to basically work. And our service did not work. Like it failed. We had to shut it down. We had so many orders that we couldn't fulfill. Victor, success. Could you re- remind oh, yeah. me of the three stages then? I think there's the impossible. Then there's the improbable where people are like, you know, there's like an eyebrow that goes up and one that goes down. And then there's the inevitable. Mm-hmm. And all those people that mm-hmm. told you your thing was impossible, like they'll come back and be like, oh, I knew it all along. You, you had the best plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it with basic academies, right? Like before we launched something, people are just like, you're nuts. You can't do this, blah, 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 blah. And then, now, and then afterwards, like, wow, it looks like you're doing it. I mean, you hired a bunch of people. Like, they're pretty smart. And like, we hired the head of education for Chicago Public Schools. I mean, this guy has incredible, you know, curriculum and t- tons of experience. And and, and you know, we hired an incredible group of people to to go after this mission. And it's kind of an all star team, I think. So you know, that tells well. One level, it tells the story of just. What I'm hearing is like just external validation. This thing is something that's needed. This is something that's possible. This is something that could actually scale and make significant impact. Another way I'm wondering about this is also this journey of self-belief where you go from, ah, I'm not going to be able to do this. How are we going to do this too? Hmm, 
maybe to this will happen whatever happens this inevitability that i've got this idea this is something i really want to have have happen by hook or by crook i'm going to make it ha- make it so because on one hand like you say there are sometimes there are terrible ideas that just won't work but i also feel like there's sometimes there are ideas that everyone says is terrible but you know it is inevitable mm-hmm. and somehow you will make it work and so there's a real sense of belief or strong belief which maybe speaks to your self-assuredness aspect because mm-hmm. i wanted to link this to tim's question here really around would you have, you know he he's he's very much talking to this like how much financial security do you have in order to make sure you know to follow this what sounded like quite risky paths these new bets is changing channels in a sense that for yeah. some people like oh i'm i'm good here <clears throat> everything <clears throat> is working perfectly why rock the boat yeah but then well, it I, sounds I, I, like I think- Sorry, for you, I, yeah. I missed Tim's question, but I think that's totally personal, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I left college, like I didn't, I was broke, like I did not want to be broke, and and I think it all depends, right? So if you have a financial backer, or I don't know, your family's rich, whatever it is, you can afford to take these risks without even thinking about it. It took me a, a much longer time before I could I, I could actually take these risks, and so. I think that's entirely personal. It's like, it depends on your spouse. It depends on your children. It depends on, you know, where you live. And you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's too big of a question, but ultimately I think it's, you know, as a provider from a, well, I'm the single kind of paycheck slash revenue in for my family. You know, I, 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 I looked at it and I said, all right, well, I think we're going to be okay. Right. And, and, I, I did that math. I mean, I didn't just jump into it like blindfolded. But there was an element, though, of a little bit more risk than where you were at the beginning. So while you, it sounds like you did the calculations, there was like a calculated risk in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. But there was something that was moving you to Bezos Academy that wasn't just about, oh, we'll be fine with the money. There was something else yeah, yeah. that actually... Well, look, you, I you think there's the other side of it. Something. Like, there's the risk of not doing it, right? So... If you don't do it, like again, re- a little bit of regret minimization, as well as if you don't do it, then like your your current state w- will start feeling less happy. So you know, if you could have hopped to a different boat when you don't, and you stay in your existing boat, that boat starts looking shabby, and like the oars start looking shaky, and the leaks start to become more frequent. Like I think there's some of that as well. So I think it's very personal, and there's a, a degree of self awareness as to where you as a professional, as an entrepreneur are best at. I think there's great entrepreneurs that are amazing from zero to 10. There's some people that are great from 10 to 20. Some people are great from 100 plus. Like everybody's got their their sort of sweet spot. And the, the risk profile for, for me right now is pretty high. Like I can put a lot of chips on the table and, and gamble with them. Not saying I'm doing that every day, but like I could uh, without worrying too, too much about it. So it's a, definitely a position of privilege. I think there's something here around at one level, just being able to pursue something. Like you said, you're following your curiosity, following the need to learn. And then how much you know you, you balance the need to cover all the bases and, and make sure, yeah. particularly if you have responsibilities. And there's a really interesting tension there because sometimes, you know, you might be in a place where everything is on Maslow's hierarchy of needs both rungs done however something else is missing and is whether you just stay there because that's your responsibility or whether you actually have to make a call and say might have to try something different or else 
what would be the cost of just staying put, particularly given your need to always change yeah. things up, it sounds like. Well, so Carlos, I think that there's also, it doesn't all have to be through business, right? So I don't know, I guess like a year ago this weekend, I tried out to be part of the ski patrol. It's a nine month course. And I have to like read a 900 page book and <clears throat> dedicate, you know, 12 weekends in a row to training and all this other stuff. And, and so that's an opportunity to learn. That's an example, right? During the pandemic, we started a band, right? We're not very good, right? So we're like backyard rock stars, right? Or self, self, self-elected backyard rock stars. So like part of it is, you know, having that, those outlets and it doesn't always have to be through business. It can be through a potential hobby or you really, I don't know, want to learn how to grow tomatoes or whatever the thing is that, you know, tickles your fancy, right? Like you can get some of these itches scratched without making giant career decisions, right? Yeah. I think this is the interesting thing is like there's these needs or these these things that these things that excite you or the the need for excitement is just how you find different ways of of addressing them. And it sounds like the ski patrol thing is very much allows you to just be on the mountains as much as you can. Yeah, and I get a free pass. Uh, it's like awesome. <laughs> and you, and you you help people, and that being something that feeds you as much as um, other things that that you have in your life, which I think we're curious about, is that how you blend those things together? Because uh, sometimes it's quite easy just to focus on one thing, just make sure that we can pay the bills and stick to our responsibilities as opposed to actually thinking about all these other needs, these other ways of actually that make our lives happy, which seems, you know, that's the thing, your, your self-awareness piece. What is it that, that I really want for myself as well as for, for the ones around me? Yeah, and I think my advice to you all is to be greedy about it and just say, I want to do all of these things. And then you can change them. Like, it can change. You can go from playing guitar to growing tomatoes and to whatever. It just tickles your fancy. But be greedy. Put it all on the table and be like, I want all of these things. And then if you can get them, like, I don't know, that, that seems like things are working out. It just, you know, might be nonlinear and it might require a bunch of work or trade-offs. Saying no sounds like it's got easier for you because there are trade-offs, right? So I'm just curious, have you found it easier to say no to things because it can be yeah, easy to it, say yes to everything? Yeah, I mean, so every once in a while somebody says, hey, come do this job or come here, here let's go make a bunch of money and go do this other thing. Now I always wonder, like, am I going to spend more time with my family? Am I going to spend less time with my friends? Do I get to build things from scratch? Does this have a, a positive impact on the world? Will I ski more or ski less? Can I take powder days off? Like, if it doesn't pass that test, like, why am I even talking to you? Like, it turns out, like, I don't care if you're going to pay me more. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, obviously, I think there's like a breaking point, right? Like, at some point, I'm like, damn, that's a lot of money. But, you know, okay. it, it's, I think once you write these things down and you kind of agree with your spouse or your, you know, yeah whoever you're living with or your partner and, and, you, and you and you have a sort of introspective look at what's important, it kind of becomes easier. And then having been on the other side of things where you, you're, you're maybe working in situations that are less than ideal, you remember, and it's like stressful and stress like causes death, right? Like, and, and, and maybe like, I, I think it actually causes death sooner. And it also, you know, you die a little bit inside, you know, or you lose more hair or, I don't know how much more hair to lose, but like it, it, it ages you in, in ways that you don't want to be aged. One of the things that we talk about, well, one of the, the core messages really 
around at least the Vision 2020 program is this idea of the excite strategy and how various aspects of your life, how you think about various aspects of your life. And I'm quite curious about Lauren said, yeah, everyone has a price. I don't know if you have a price anymore, Miguel, because, you know, you talked about, is there a price of spending less time with your family or spending less time with your friends or spending less time on the mountains? Because it sounds like you've got bases covered. Yeah, I think it would have to be like a huge learning opportunity or something like that, right? Like that that, that would be the other trade-off, right? If someone yeah. said, I don't know, I'm actually not that interested in this. But somebody said, go learn how to, I don't know, build boat homes. And I'm like, damn, I've always wanted to build a boat hull. Like, that's like the thing I want to know. <laughs> you know. That turns out not to be one of my secret desires, but like, it, w- it would have to be something like that. You know, maybe our yeah. band gets good and we have to go on tour. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing about this self-awareness piece and being able to, being more comfortable with saying no to certain things because you're able to make, it sounds like, made to make more intentional decisions because it isn't about the money, it's about building boat homes or space stations or rocket ships or schools that can address real fundamental needs in the in societies like it then becomes okay now i know why i'm saying yes and it's it's meeting again i keep on talking about these needs but these strengths or these needs that you have and those are the the things that you weigh up now yeah well thank you very much miguel Mm -hmm. that was it felt like a, a very useful insight into the way you look at the world and work and and your own journey and and the things that you've been doing and and some appreciation here in the chat around that um any final thoughts words of wisdoms business guru sayings that you would like to impart before we leave well so a a couple a couple of things i think you know self-awareness is important so like figuring out what you're truly good at and what makes you happy and there's a bunch of ways of doing that hey like Look back at times when you were really happy and you say, what are your top 10 professional personal moments? And you say, oh, what does this have in common? Two, ask friends, you know, or people that you trust, like, what am I really good at? You know, not, not in like a weird, you know, I, want, I would like you to compliment me way, but just ask that question. And, and then, you know, like write things down and try it for a little bit. Like I, I, thought that that exercise was super useful to write things down that we did back in 2018 next to this Mm. beautiful lake in the middle of Oregon forestry right and I think this stuff takes time right so if you're running the rat race kind of on that spinny wheel that the mice get into or whatever the hamsters get into it's it's hard to take a moment self-assess you kind of need to say okay you know what I need like three days of zoning out to just like think about this and, and I think that's, that's super crucial. And it sounds like for the folks that are on this call, you've all like figured something out because you've decided to be part of this 2020 thing. And I think you're, you, you know, you've started this journey. And, and the last thing is, you know, super grateful to have met you, you both and, and have gone to altitude because it, it did trigger something, right? Like it, it, it wasn't the moment where I was like, I'm changing, but it was part of that journey. It was a critical part of that journey because... I got to see how other people ran their lives. I got to see what other priorities people had. And it brought into question a bunch of the things that I'd been doing for 20 plus years without even thinking about it. Love Thank it. you, Miguel. Before, one final question. Um, I'll just yeah. say, yeah. What's the name of your yeah. band? We have an interested super fan. Yeah. So we're the Shredheads. We have a logo. We have merch, obviously. Of course. Uh, so the Shredheads is a like a, a, like a mountain thing, you know? <laughs> 
And all of our all of our uh, songs are about skiing. So there's a love song that I wrote to my wife that says, "I love the way you look in your tight ski pants." That's not a that's not going to be a hit single. But our hit singles <laughs> are like Powder Day and Snow Dance. So the goal the goal Deep is stuff. to go into the studio this year and have an album. So if you want to yeah. talk about ambitious goals that probably won't get met, that's one of them. Watch this space. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, looking forward to the YouTube channel. Maybe you get to kind of ski down the mountain whilst playing a gig or something. It sounds like a uh, life call. I think you'd make an amazing YouTuber then, Miguel. If you need a remote drummer, I'm happy to step in. I'm back yes. In, back in we, we're always looking for somebody to, to join the band. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. To hear more inspiring conversations like this, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Happy Entrepreneur. In March, we'll be launching Tribe 7 of our Vision 2020 program. If you're at a point in your career or entrepreneurial journey where you're asking yourself, what next? And you need the clarity and confidence to make some bold decisions about a new direction, then this program is for you. We'll help you define what success really means to you, understand the impact that is yours to make, make sure your mission is both energetically and financially sustainable, and also learn how to build a supportive community around yourself. We want people who are driven to do good in the world and are tired of trying to do it on their own. We'll share the key lessons we've learned while building the Happy Startup School and pivoting from the stressful peaks and troughs of agency life to a life of freedom, adventure, service and connection. We value learning, play and friendship and we'd like to help you discover the values and the work that align more to who you are. Don't struggle alone and don't get sidetracked by other people's measures of success. Discover for yourself what it means to create effortless impact. To apply for the next tribe, go to vision.happystartups.co. We look forward to hearing from you.